0: Well, this is the weekend where we all get very messed up, right? This is Time Change Weekend, and I have to be honest with you up front. I hate Time Change Weekend. In fact, every year I pray that they'll change the laws to get rid of Time Change Weekend. I wish that we were like uh, our friends down in Belize. They don't have Time Change. It's just the regular time that they're watching this service today. And I wish it was that way because my kids will be off schedule for two whole weeks. They'll go to bed at the wrong time, they'll wake up at the wrong time, and they're going to be little trolls. It's awful, isn't it? But during times of change, there also comes opportunities you ever notice that? When you start a new job, or you move to a new place, or you start a new relationship, or you change your hairstyle, or you go to a new church, there's also opportunities to change. I love that around Sagebrush because we see change all the time. A couple weeks ago, we did an altar call here at the church, and when we do an altar call, I always have a front row seat to see people's lives change because I stand down here on the floor and it's at that moment where everyone realizes that I'm not eight feet tall like these big screens make me look. I'm a little guy, surprise. But I'm standing down front during the altar call and we never know how people might respond to the call to come forward. Sometimes we have to wait a little while. And so I'm standing down there and I'll never forget this. It's at one of our largest services, And I'm standing there, and there is this guy who we issue the call, and immediately he responds. I remember it because this man is decked out in Dallas Cowboy gear. All two of you, yes. Very happy about your team not winning this year. But I see this guy, and he moves first. And he comes all the way from the back. And he is not just running. This man is skipping down the aisle. And it's at that moment that I realize that I know this guy. It's a guy I know from the gym named Larry. I know him from not just the gym, but he comes here to our church. And so I run up to him and I give this man a big hug right in the middle of the service. He comes down and he gets his life right with Jesus. That weekend we had 217 people come down to get right with the Lord. After that weekend was over, we sat around as pastors, and we just scratched our head because we've never seen so many men respond to an altar call here at this church. God is moving in huge ways, and that is a moment that I won't forget for the rest of my life. What was God doing in that moment? God was doing exactly what he does around here at Sagebrush all the time. He is changing people in our midst at just the right time. Now, when I say the word change, some of you don't like that word change because you like your life very predictable. And I have to be honest, that's the way I am, folks. I love my life very predictable. I am a man of routines. In fact, every day after work, I usually go by the prestigious Circle K. And I stop by Circle K to get a Polar Pop, one of their 44-ounce sodas before I go home. And so this day I stopped by the Circle K, which is a uh, much higher standard than all sups where I usually stop. Uh, but I stopped by Circle K and I go and I grab my Polar Pop and I, I fill it up with ice and I go to get a diet soda. And all that comes out is soda water, which is basically just soap and water. It's gross, okay? So I go down to my second choice. My third choice, and it's all soda water for the day. Now, you would have thought that somebody stole my youngest child. There I am in the middle of sketchy K and I am just upset in this moment. I'm so upset in this moment. I could have gone to buy a bottle soda, but I'm too cheap. I like that a Polar Pop is only 99 cents, okay? Don't judge. (laughs) So I throw my cup away and I walk out of the store. What's that all about? I like my life very predictable. And some of you are the same way. You go to the gym at the same time every single day. You like it when your kids don't act up when you go to Costco. You like it when your plan comes together and nothing changes. You like it when church gets out on time. If you're good, we'll see what happens, okay? But we like our life very predictable. Now, there's another whole group of people that are here with us, and you love change. You love change all the time. You change jobs, you change your hairstyle, you change your diet, you change lots of different things like it's going out of style. You love change. Whether you love or whether you hate change, here's what I know. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. When Jesus came down in this earth, he came to change everything in our midst. And I want to share today a few of the different things that Jesus changes. Jesus came into a world that was bleak. They were hopeless. Do you know the average expectancy during the time in which Jesus came was just 35 years old. People lived in fear of death. They lived with food insecurities all the time. Their life was filled with struggle with the government that was oppressive during that time. They worshipped all sorts of God that they could never really live up to the standard of the gods that they worshipped. It was really bad. It was really bleak. Some of you are sitting here today say, you know what? That's my life right now. I live in constant fear. There's so much going on all around me and I feel like I just can't have hope. My marriage is falling apart. My adult children can't seem to make the right decision. There's so many hard things going on. Well, in the same world that Jesus came to 2,000 years ago, he comes right now in this moment to offer us a changed life. And that begins when Jesus comes to bring the very first message. But before Jesus even shares that first message, God sent a man ahead of him to prepare the way. His name was John the Baptist, Now, when John the Baptist walked around the earth, he was pointing out all the wrong things that the Jewish people were doing. And he was calling them to get their life right before Jesus came. John the Baptist was kind of like the ant that comes over before Thanksgiving. He's like going through the refrigerator and he's pointing out everything that's expired. He's like calling them out for wearing their shoes on the carpet and leaving dishes in the dishwasher. That was John the Baptist's role. His role was to point out all the areas that the Jewish people needed to change. John continues on preaching until he's put in prison. And after he's put in prison, that's when Jesus comes onto the scene, as Mark records, and he begins to preach a new message. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse number 15 Jesus says this The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus starts by saying the time has come. Jesus is making a huge statement here. He says, this is the moment that all creation has waited for. Jesus knew that all of the Bible was leading up to this one moment. See, from the very beginning of creation, mankind chose to go away from God. We chose to go our own path. And because of that, We put a great distance between us and God. But the Jewish people as well as the prophets dreamt of a day and shared the promise that one day a prophet would come, a Messiah would come to set things right. So when Jesus is coming into the world, he is is announcing that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one sent from God. And I imagine in this moment all of creation Everyone in heaven held their breath because this is the moment that Jesus, the Messiah, came to the world. And what does he announce? He says, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Now, back during this time, it was totally Game of Thrones, okay? There were battles, there were fights over who was going to be king, and it was just really, really bad. Jesus, importantly, doesn't come and announce that there's a kingdom of man, but he announces that the kingdom of God has come. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that God is about to establish a new kingdom. And it's not just a new kingdom that's here on earth, but it's a kingdom in heaven. Jesus is saying all the stuff that we see around us is going to fade away. It's going to perish. But Jesus came to set up an eternity that we can spend with God In heaven that we could be with him forever that we could be reconciled to God but the good news about his kingdom is it's not just in heaven but we can experience that kingdom now we can be reconnected to God we can be forgiven of all the wrong things and we can have true life and true hope even now while on planet earth you say Andrew what does that look like to experience the kingdom of God here and now I'll tell you what it looks like from just experiences that I've had around this church. It's the man who comes to our church, and he's just angry. All the time, every time he goes home, he just yells at his family consistently. But then he comes to our church, and he finds our anger group. He goes to that group, and he gets that, the help that he needs. surrenders his life over to Jesus, and Jesus changes him on the inside. He's no longer angry all the time. He's at peace. It's the single mom. The single mom who spends many nights just crying, feeling like she's all alone. But then she finds her way to our church. She toads her like four kids into our lobby and she doesn't even wanna look at other people, but she finds her way to check them into their class and she makes her way into our church. She hears a message of hope. She hears how Jesus can fill her with great joy. And somehow she surrenders her life over to God and God fills her up with joy. And now every time she comes to our church, she's got a smile on her face. Her kids run everywhere, all over our lobby, but she does not care. She's filled with this joy because she knows now that God is with her no matter what. It's the teenager who lives life alone, all by himself, depressed, contemplating taking his own life. But then a friend invites him to this church, He comes in and hears all about Jesus who can fill you up with hope. He ends up giving his life to Jesus Christ and everything changes. He stops being so depressed all the time because God fills up his heart And now he's inviting other people to come to our church. That, my friends, is life in the kingdom. God brings peace. He brings joy. He brings hope to those who are hopeless. He turns people upside down. You say, man, I want that for my own life. I want that peace. I want that joy. I want to be a part of God's kingdom. Well, Jesus makes it very clear on how you can be a part of his kingdom. He says to repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. Where it starts is repentance. You have to get drag out honest with God. You gotta say, God, I am tired of the way that I've lived. I'm grieved about all the things that I've done and God, I'm ready to let go of that old life that I used to live. Repentance is like doing a U-turn, Right? You're driving in one direction, thinking you're going the right way, and you're headed that way. But you realize, this is not good. Like, I am headed on a path towards destruction. So what do you do? You turn the wheel around, and you head the opposite direction. You say, you know what? I'm done living that old life that I used to live. Today, I'm walking with Jesus Today I wanna follow him. I know there's no life in that old way. And so I'm leaning in to trust in Jesus. I'm repenting of the old way that I used to live. Now, some of you, that's easy because you've hit rock bottom. You're at the very bottom of the barrel looking up and you're like, I need some help. I need some help because I can't seem to get over all this stuff. And you're looking up going, man, I need Jesus. But for some of you, you like your life very predictable. And though you know you're going the wrong direction, you choose the wrong direction because it's comfortable, because you're aware of kind of what's coming up and you know the fun that you have and you know the risk that it might be to go the opposite direction. Let me share with this with you. Repentance may be hard, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it to get right with God. I've never met an alcoholic or a person who is addicted to drugs, who've got clean, who ever said, I wish I would have waited longer to get clean. I've never met that person. I've never met that person in the spiral of depression who found their way out, who ever said, you know, if I could just have one more day depressed and alone, that would be awesome. They never say that. Never met a person who felt like they were the center of the universe and the whole their whole life was structured around them who found freedom whoever said you know what i wish i could just go back for one day every single one of those people said no i wish i would have repented sooner i wish i would have got my life right with god i wish i could have experienced that hope and that peace that he offers the pathway is through repentance and then after you repent you have to believe You have to believe in the good news. What's the good news? It's the gospel. And in the Bible, you read that word gospel all the time, but you might not understand what that word really means. And that word gospel actually came out of the Roman culture. When the Caesar had a child, a son, they would send messages all throughout the kingdom to let the whole kingdom know that their reign was going to be protected, that a baby was born, And they announced the good news to everyone else that there's going to be peace and security in the kingdom. Here's what I love. When Jesus comes into the world, that gospel message goes out to the whole entire world. But it's not messengers, right? At the beginning, it's angels that announced Jesus Christ had come into the world. But that message goes out that there's going to be peace. On Earth, That there's going to be something good for all of mankind. It's the gospel. It's the royal announcement that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, down on this earth. He lived a perfect life. And he died on a cross for every wrong thing that you and I have ever done. Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, he screamed out, It is finished which means paid in full. You see, Jesus was paying for every wrong, every dumb, every stupid thing that you and I have ever done. And he did it to reconnect us to God so we could know life in his kingdom here and now. We could be filled with peace, joy, and hope. And one day we can know forever that we'll be in heaven with him. That, my friends, is good news. Good news we're celebrating. Good news we're sharing with others. It's a message that's critical to take out. It reminds me of a story that I read this week about Alfred Mendez. And Alfred Mendez was from Trinidad and Tobago. And Alfred Mendez, here's a picture of him. He served in the British military during World War I. And when he was serving, he was in this great big battle with his British unit. And it was during a time that they were in this big battle group that their unit got separated. And in the middle of their unit from the battle group was this space known as No Man's Land. No one controlled this space. It was a place riddled with machine gun fire, snipers, all these different obstacles, ruins, and so much more. Well, the leader of Alfred Mendez's unit asked the unthinkable. He asked for one guy to step out of the unit to carry a message back to their battle group. See, the the challenge was a life or death situation. The person who accepted the responsibility, it was almost certain death. Well, Alfred Mendez raises his hand and says, I'll go. I'll be the one to carry that message because it'll mean life for everyone else. Then Alfred Mendez does the unthinkable. He journeys through no man's land. And he records in his personal diary all about the experience. He was a short little guy, he was only five foot four, which is probably why I like him. But he's a he's a small little guy and he is wiry. So he's able to evade, like the snipers, the German military. And he works his way through no man's land by crawling through the mud, crawling through the ruins of that city. He found his way to the battle group with that urgent message of where they were located as a unit, and then he does the unthinkable. He traverses all the way back to his unit to share where the battle group really was without a scratch on his body. See, Alfred Mendez had a message that was critical to share, and you and I have that same critical message. God has given us the message of the gospel to share with others. It's the good news that Jesus came to set us free. And we have to share that with others, knowing that life and death are on the line. But you say, Andrew, how do I do that? How do I share the message of Jesus with others? Well, Jesus actually makes it very clear by sending his first disciples on a mission. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 1. Verse number 16, it says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus comes to these original disciples and he calls them. Now, if you are picking a team to go change the world, what type of team would you pick? I mean, you're probably gonna pick the people who are influential. You're probably gonna pick the people who have educations. You're probably gonna pick the people who are like the rising, like cream of the crop, right? You're not gonna pick the B team, right? You know what the B team is. I know the B team very well because it was the entirety of my high school career in athletics. I was always on the JV, I always rode the bench and watched other people play. I was always on the B team. Here's what I love about Jesus. When Jesus comes into the world, he looks around and he doesn't pick the people that you would think he would pick. He picks fishermen. Now, during that time, fishermen were often forgotten in their culture. They were the working class. They weren't the best of educated people. But Jesus picks these disciples to go out to change the world. They would have been lost into the pages of history had not Jesus come. Jesus comes and he says, I want you on my team. See, he picks all of us. Isn't that good news? He wants all of us on his team. And he looks at these guys and he says, come follow me. And they follow Jesus. They've heard that message. They know the life and the kingdom that comes Through him. And then Jesus says, I will send you out to fish for people. Now, I love this because Jesus is the absolute king of the object lesson. And so he says, I'm gonna send you out to fish for people. Now, if you've been fishing before, you know that fishing is very unpredictable. Sometimes the fish are biting, and sometimes they are not. Uh, I am not a very good fisherman. But I've seen some people who can fish very well. In fact, down in our Belize campus, our Belize campus is located right on an inlet from the ocean. And if you walk out the front door of the Belize campus, you can walk out to the breakwater and you can throw out a line and you can fish right in front of our campus. So a couple years back, I'm visiting down in Belize. I'm standing out there with another staff member. And as I'm standing making small talk, the guy sees some fish down there. He's like, oh, and so he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out some fishing line. And then he reaches in the other pocket and he pulls out a hook. Now, how he did not cut himself, I do not know. But he ties the hook on the line and he goes around and he finds some bugs and some worms and he starts throwing out the fishing line. He has no pole. But he just throws out the line into the water, and one by one, he is pulling up fish after fish. I mean, he was like the fish whisperer. It was crazy. He's pulling up fish after fish. He's a great fisherman. Now, the fish were biting in that moment. Now, my experience fishing has been much different. Usually I sit on a boat or on a dock or on the beach all day long and I catch absolutely nothing. Why? Because fish are unpredictable. Jesus wants us to go out though and he wants us to share this message, trusting him for the results. What's our job? Our job is to fish. So what do we do? We invite other people to come to church with us. And at times they will roll their eyes and they will act like, oh man, don't ask me ever again. But we don't give up. We keep inviting people to this church. We often have opportunities to share our story of how God changed our life. And sometimes when we share that story, people respond. And sometimes they just look at us like we're a crazy person, but we don't give up. We keep sharing our story. We keep fishing believing maybe one day someone will hear that story and it will be intriguing for them to make a decision. It means that we share on social media about our relationship with God. We share some of the posts from our church and you may lose some friends for it. Big whoop. They're probably not your friend anyway. But you share, hoping that, man, as you're fishing, maybe somebody might come in. It means that I live my life different from the other people around me. That's what we do as followers of Christ. We're different from everyone else. And sometimes people won't notice. People won't see that there's anything different about us. But that one person may see that there's something different about us and they may want what we have. Over the past few months, I have been going to a lot of Lobo games. Lobo basketball that is and it has been incredible the Lobos have been really really good this year and a couple weeks ago I took my son Jesse to a Lobo basketball game here's a picture of me and Jesse uh, with the Lobo my youngest and we went to the Lobo game and it was incredible in fact my ears are still ringing from the experience because it is so loud in the pit so we go to this game right and the Lobos actually won that night that usually doesn't happen okay But we actually went to the game. It was great. We had the best of seats. And you'll never believe this. I go down to my seat and I sit down and the person I'm sitting next to, they kind of recognize me. And usually it's because of sagebrush that people recognize me. So he kind of looks at me and he's like, I know you. And I'm like, okay, where's this going? And he says, yeah, You sat on the airplane next to me on the way back to Albuquerque, next to your son. And at this, I'm worried. Like, what did I say to my son? Did I yell? Was I a good pastor that day? He said, no, no, you sat next to me. He said, you're a pastor at Sagebrush, right? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor at Sagebrush. And he said, I've been to your church I said, that's awesome, you've been to my church, that's so good, I invited him again and we made small talk throughout the whole entire game. What was I doing? I was just fishing, yielding the results over to God and I left that day just not knowing where he's at and what's going on but two weeks ago, I'm in the lobby of our church and a lady comes up to me and she says, hey, I think you met my friend. He said that he sat next to you on an airplane and at the Lobo game. It was so cool. God keeps having my story intersect with this guy's. And what are we doing? We're fishing. We're not just fishing on our own. We're fishing together as a church. Now, don't be surprised if one day that friend that you're fishing with, that person you sit next to in an airplane, that person you talk to about Jesus, they end up coming to our church. And do you know what the best moment is? The best moment is when they come down one of these aisles and they give their life to Jesus Christ. Or when they go over to our First Steps room and they have their life forever changed. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. That's what Jesus came into the world to do. He inspires his disciples. He inspires us to go out and do the same thing. That's why it says in Mark 1:18, this. It closes by saying, at once they left their nets and they followed him. See, these fishermen were so compelled to follow Jesus that they put down their fishing nets and they were all in. They said, I'm going all in. They put their life on hold to make Jesus known. I wonder if we would do the same. I wonder if we would step out when God compelled us through to, through the power of the Holy Spirit and we shared a message of hope. I wonder if we would step up in that moment to invite another person to come to this church to see their life radically transformed by Jesus. I wonder if we fish for people what difference it would make. I believe it would turn New Mexico absolutely upside down. And not just New Mexico, but also in the country of Belize and our entire nation, if we just made Jesus known. So on this weekend, where everything is a little disoriented, my hope and my prayer is that the gospel, that message of Jesus would reorient us that we would understand he came to live and to die and he rose again to set us free from our bleak perspective to make us new. I hope too that we would understand how critical this message is to share with others. I hope and I pray that he'll join me in fishing for people. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to this earth to die in our place, to take away our shame, to take away that separation that we once had from God. Thank you, God, that you made us right and you gave us the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, God, for the joy of knowing you. God, I pray for my friends who are here today who are hopeless, their life is joyless, their life is just has no peace. God, I pray today would be a day that they come to you. Today would be the day that they experience that joy that overflows from a life that's connected to you. I pray, God, even now in this moment, that you would change people. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.